Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to look at David, but I want to, I'm just going to go in the New Testament here just a moment, and let's just see uh, some places where they mention uh, David, so we'll know that you know, we're not looking at myths and legends here. Uh, I want to go, well, look at <laughs> first one, Matthew 1. These are the ancestors of Jesus Christ. Look at this. A descendant of a fable. Well, no, he wasn't a fable, and neither was Abraham. These guys actually lived. Boy, that's a neat, neat thing about that chart right there. You know, years ago, um, England, 1500s, 1700s, it even goes back and forth. They had, and it finally got called apologetics. I don't really like the word apologetics. It sounds like you're apologizing, but it's actually, remember, older English words meant something else during another time. And apologetics actually just meant proof. It's proof. You know, I apologize, but Jesus is real. That's what they're saying, you know. And, uh, and they were, it was proof. And so apologetics is uh, the study of the reality of these things. They had total schools dedicated to all this stuff. So nobody, I mean, we can go figure it out on our own, but it's real easy, you know, to go do some research and you'll go, you know, like some people, you, I've even watched movies before and you have too, and they'll go, and I watched one cute movie, uh, it was about Einstein, whatever, it had Meg Ryan and whatever. And it was, there, he was Albert Einstein and some of his cohorts. They were famous actors, whatever. And they were, it was really funny. But one of the actors was bringing up the thing which some people always say, I exist, therefore I don't exist. You know, type thing. You know, well, we don't really exist. You know, what is time? Time is, the, you know, how that, you can just dig a hole and all that kind of stuff, you know. But the truth is, is that uh, <clears throat> God did uh, create all of us. And uh, the records are here. But anyway, so there's one right there. Oh. Uh, Descendant of David. Then this is this big, long genealogy. And then here you have Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. You know, okay, so hey, we got that. Uh, let's go on down here. There's still some more. Uh, look at this. There are 14 generations from Abraham to King David, 14 to King David to the exile, and 14 till from the exile to Christ, which is, that's the layout of your Bible, which is really fantastic. Now, that's just going back to Abraham. But Luke has a genealogy, and it'll go all the way back to Adam. And apparently, whoever's involved in the Bible thinks these are, these are the facts. Praise the Lord. That's just the wind blowing things. Okay. But anyway, so notice David, David, David. Okay. <clears throat> now, uh, while we're here, look down here. The angel even said, he, uh, Joseph, son of David. Well, he was. We've just seen that. Okay. Uh, let's skip on down here to the second chapter, Matthew chapter 2. He was born in Bethlehem. Let's see, I thought it would say, oh, uh, no, it didn't say it, it didn't say it there. Okay, but we got, we got two, two right there in uh, Matthew chapter 1. Let me go to the ninth chapter because I think we have, uh, we've got one in the ninth chapter. There's several, but it's just over and over and over again. Let me scroll down here. Uh, yeah, look at that. Matthew chapter 9, as Jesus was leaving her home, two blind men followed, shouting. Now, what do these blind guys know? Well, they're blind, but look what they're saying. Oh, son of King David, have mercy on us. He's just a myth. No, he's not a myth. Praise the Lord. So let's go back. Oh, let me catch one more. One more. There's, there's so many. But in the book of Acts, chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit uh, descended, even Peter can't even preach his first sermon without talking about David. Uh, Acts chapter 2, 
Uh, he's saying, oh, men of Israel, listen, let's keep going. There we go. Look at that. King David quoted Jesus as saying, I know the Lord is with me. He is helping me. His mighty power supports me. That's right out of the book of Psalms. And that's one reason that those of us who know what the Bible says, we know that no matter what anybody tells us, even a preacher or whatever, we know, I don't care. Jesus is with me. I'm not listening to that guy tell me he's not. The Lord is with me. So David, he writes, no, excuse me, Paul, <laughs> slow down, Peter. Peter says, King David quoted Jesus as saying, I know the Lord is always with me, helping, uh, he is helping me, God's mighty uh, power supports me. And anyway, no wonder my heart is filled with joy and my tongue shouts his praises, for I know all will be well with me in death. He's just talking about, you know, he goes, this is a psalm. You will not leave my soul in hell, nor let the body of your holy son decay. He was speaking, he was using something David said referring to the resurrection here. But again, it can't be myths. Okay, so now let's go back. Let's take a look at some things here. We go all the way back here. Here's the Bible, beautiful layout here. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Just real quick. Genesis, you get up to chapter 12, Abraham shows up. Prior to that, the flood. Prior to that, creation. I mean, all the details are right there. Exodus, they're all under Pharaoh. They're slaves at this time. Moses is, is brought on the scene and they come out. Leviticus, that word, and the, the mouse is on top of that. But anyway, Leviticus, the first four words is Levi. The first four letters is Levi. It's referring to things about the priesthood. Numbers, clue, it's numbers, the Actual counts and numbers and names and families of everybody that came out. Boy, this is so hard to disprove. It's like, you just don't tell them you were at this location. Don't tell them you were at that location. Anyway, Deuteronomy is a complete recap of here all the way to the promised land. The whole book, it's an address. Moses just gets up there and just states it all in one statement. It's really fantastic. Joshua, they're in the promised land. In it was seven years' time, they wiped everybody out. I mean, it, they were in there. They had a few more places that they had to overcome at the end of Joshua. Uh, but anyway, then all of a sudden, Judges takes place. That's where you have Gideon and Samson and uh, other, uh, other uh, folks, uh, Jephthah and whatever. And then Ruth, a little short book. And, uh, uh, but it's right in here. It's the same time frame. And then all of a sudden, boom, Samuel. Samuel, the high priest was Eli, he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and uh, there were a couple of losers. Uh, Eli was okay, but he just didn't, um, he didn't restrain his kids, whatever. But anyway, Samuel comes on the scene, and this is the lead up in, Sam, in Samuel straight to David. The first king that, uh, that um, the Lord, well, the people wanted, the Lord didn't, it wasn't by design. Uh, but anyway, uh, in Samuel's old age, in chapter 8, he appointed sons as judges and whatever. But anyway, they were corrupt. Samuel, a great guy, but his sons were corrupt. Almost like, well, they were like Eli's sons. Anyway, these guys, these leaders came to Samuel and they said, Look, you're going to retire and all this kind of stuff. And what did they say? Give us a king. Give us a king. Wow. Samuel was upset about this and he went to the Lord. Look what the Lord says. Do as they say, the Lord said. Now, the Lord was going to pick somebody out. But it's funny. He picked somebody out. His name was Saul, and he wound up being a loser. But then the Lord picked another guy, and guess who the next guy was? David. So your first king was Saul, and then it was David. 
But anyway, great stories here. This is just such wonderful literature to read. It's not fairy tales. Praise the Lord. It's not fairy tales. You have, let me speed ahead just so we're going to come right back to here, but notice this. You have, of course, 2 Samuel is just like chapter 2, except it's several chapters. 1 Kings, 2 Kings, it's just volume 1, volume 2. It was the kings until the kingdom was gone. Because then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And what does he talk about? The kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. He says, happy is the, those who've lost it all, basically, because theirs is the kingdom of God. We are citizens of a kingdom that doesn't look like what we see out here. But wherever, go, wherever you go, you're blessed. It's fantastic. It's like, ooh, I like that kingdom better. Praise the Lord. Okay, but anyway, uh, back, to, uh, <clears throat> back to this. Yeah, and, what's, and like I say, if you just go through the rest of this, this is so easy to be. Chronicles is just history recorded. It's actually recorded history from David all the way. It's chronicled, volume one, chronicled, volume two. Ezra was a high priest during that time when they went off under Nebuchadnezzar. And they were actually coming back. So was Nehemiah. He was a, a mayor, okay? Esther, you know the story of her? They were exiled. They were all going to get Every Jew in the whole world was going to get killed. And she stood up to her husband and said, do you realize I'm going to get killed? And her husband, the king, actually the, the Persian king, whoever it was, uh, who ruled the whole world, he says, well, darling, we're not going to get you killed. And she says, well, save my race. He didn't realize she was a Jew. And boy, he stopped it. What does that tell us? He'll help you. Praise the Lord. All during that time frame. Then you have a little book here uh, about Job. Only took a year and a half at most. It didn't, or could have been six months or less. And then there's the book of Psalms. And then there's just prophets that prophesied during this time of history. That's all they did. It's just prophetical. It, 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 it's, it's, it's actually so simple. It's, it's, it just makes so much sense. Uh, uh, all, these, um, all these prophets were, were just saying, hey, look, you know, remember Daniel was, was with Nebuchadnezzar? See, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, that was after the kingdom was lost. After, after all the last king had died, whatever, uh, Babylon, see, King Jehoiakim, he was, uh, he was ruling in Judah. And Nebuchadnezzar, he's just a puppet at this point because Nebuchadnezzar has wiped everybody out. But anyway, and so you get, Daniel's got wonderful history here. He only talks prophetically just a little bit in there. And it seems like most people are, oh, I've read the book of Daniel and oh, oh, this, this. And they missed the whole thing. Get the gist of it first and then play with the other part and look at it, okay? <clears throat> but even in Daniel, we have Daniel in the lion's den. We have, we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, the, in this furnace right here in chapter 3. My goodness, we have all the details about that. If you don't, you're going to be burned, you know. But these guys said, no, our God is able and he will. Remember that right down here? Oh, look what they said. He said, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You're refusing to serve my gods? Worship the gold statue? I'll give you one more chance when you hear the music. But look what they said. O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not worried about what will happen to us. If we're thrown in the furnace, our God, look what he says. Our God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us out of your hand. Now, the Living Bible says, but if he doesn't. King James just says, but if not. But if you'll watch closely, it couldn't be, well, he's not. Because I would, if I was a colonel or the king, I'd just get these guys out of my sight. They told the king he's going to do it. That's the reason Nebuchadnezzar says, well, crank it up seven times hotter. Whatever. But anyway, let's go back to David. 
So let's see what happened here. <clears throat> so these things really happened. So if we pick up here in uh, the 16th chapter, uh, the Lord said to Samuel, you've mourned long enough for Saul because Saul, he just wouldn't obey the Lord. He said, take a vial of olive oil and go to Bethlehem, find a man named Jesse. Bethlehem? Bethlehem, you say? Yeah. Bethlehem didn't show up because of Jesus and, to, and you know, at what, whenever he was born. He'd already been there. So anyway, take a vial, go to Bethlehem, find a man named Jesse. I've selected him to be his sons, to be the new king. Boy, he did too. Samuel said, how can I do that if Saul, the existing king, if he hears about it, he'll kill me. So even Samuel was faced with daily pressures. I'm going to get killed. And this was God telling him, do something. Well, this is a suicide mission. No, the, watch how the Lord helps him. He said, take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you've come to make sacrifice to the Lord. Wow. Then call Jesse to the sacrifice. That's David's dad. I'll show you which son of his to anoint. So Samuel did as the Lord had told him. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the city came trembling to meet him. Now, why were they scared? Because Saul was killing everybody. You know, I mean, he was, it was just, I mean, it, it, you just, it, this was like a coup, whatever. <clears throat> anyway, all is well. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. And he performed the purification rite on Jesse. They just anointed him with oil, whatever. Okay. And invited them too. When they arrived, Samuel took a look at Eliab. We'll just call him old Eli. All right. And he said, hey, surely the man the Lord has chosen. Look what the Lord said. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by a man's face or height because this is not the one. I don't make decisions the way you do. Men judge on the outward appearance, but I'm look at a man's thoughts and intentions. Then Jesse uh, told his son, Abinadab, we'll call him Andy. Andy, you come forward. <laughs> He's the one either, you know. The Lord says, it's not the right man. So then he called, you know, Shama, whatever. Sherman, we'll call him. All right, and the Lord said, no, that's not the one. All the way, all seven sons presented themselves, and they were rejected. The Lord's not chosen any of them, Samuel said to Jesse. Are these all they are? Now look at this. Well, there is the youngest. Now you got to understand Sometimes we think people are just special. What makes you special is because you trust the Lord. It's not, I mean, we have whole denominations that believe in predetermination. I mean, you know, predestination, pre, but it's almost the same, predestination. Like David was just made to be right. Saul was made to be wrong. No, we just saw Samuel weeping over Saul going, I can't believe this guy. Why did he turn out so bad? And the Lord picked him. He didn't say, I'm going to pick him to show you how bad he is. He picked him because the Lord, the guy had the opportunity to do right and he didn't. Look what this guy. Uh, he, so look what he says. Oh, he's the youngest. He's watching sheep. Oh, that's what it is. It's all about sheep. No, it's not about sheep. We, we get so hung around the axle sometimes thinking it's, it's the look, like that picture back there with Jesus and a lamb, you know. Jesus got a whip too, buddy. <laughs> he went through that temple. I mean, it's not about, oh, he's just docile man. I remember the, we, were, we were at Larry's Gun yesterday, and Mel and I were talking to the guy that was helping us, and we started talking about the Lord and stuff. And Oh, this is, Bob, you like this. This one guy, he, he does a gun class at their Sunday school. <laughs> I mean, it's part of the church. I thought, praise the Lord. Well, you want to have a bunch of people that feel like we're just, we don't, we don't want to. <laughs> we have to be alert. 
Our Constitution, we're supposed to be an armed militia, you know. But anyway, back to this. Oh, but I had mentioned to him while we were talking about it, I said, yeah, I said the night before Jesus died. He said, anybody got a sword? And Thomas or whoever it was or one of the disciples said, hey, we got two. I want to remind you here, this is the chapters before this. The nation of Israel, there was no nation. They were, they, they went belly up. This is way before, this is before the first king ever got there. The Canaanites ruled the land. They were not allowed. Let's see, we're in chapter 16. Chapter 9, 10, 11, no Israelite had a sword. If they wanted anything metal, they had to go to the Canaanites and say, I need a plow. Can you make me one? Because they were not letting anybody have what? Any weapons? Can't have no weapons. Because we don't want you to revolt. <clears throat> anyway. <clears throat> Matter of fact, in those chapters prior to this, Saul, not Samuel, but Saul and his son Jonathan, they were the only two when they first got rolling. They're the only two that had a sword until they first started wiping out some Canaanites by the power of the Lord. Samuel was a good king at the, no, excuse me, Saul was a good king before he, before he got in a little bit of trouble. But anyway, Jesse sent for him. Uh, no, notice they said, send for him, we'll wait on him. God must really want this guy. Jesse sent for him. He was a fine-looking boy. Well, God wants them young, so they'll, no, don't go there. This boy already knew who Jesus was. He knew who God was. What is that? It just means he's, you know, almost like we don't have Ryder here this morning, but, you know, it's cute, okay? And with pleasant eyes, it's just showing how young he is. And the Lord says, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the olive oil. Uh, now, I want to notice something here. Chapter 16, 17 is Goliath. I mean, the next chapter. Anyway. Samuel took the olive oil, brought it, and poured it on David's head. The Spirit of Jehovah came on him, and he began and gave him great power from that day, uh, that day on. Now, listen. He already had wiped out bears and stuff. So don't be thinking, well, at this moment, at this moment, he was anointed. No, because that's not what David said against Goliath. David was looking around saying, why hadn't somebody taken this guy out? Talk about with the Lord. Praise the Lord. So anyway, uh, he had great power from that day, uh, that day onward. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. But the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. Instead, the Lord had sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Well, you know what that means. It, it, I mean, the Lord didn't just give him that. It's just the result of <clears throat> his life. Anyway, they write it that way. Okay, some of Saul's age suggested a cure. We'll find a good harpist. Well, you know what's coming. It was David. Whenever the tormenting spirit bothers you, the harp music will quiet you. You'll soon be well again. All right, said David, find me a harpist. One of them said he knew a young fellow... Bethlehem, okay. the son of a man named Jesse, who was not only a talented harp player, but handsome, look at this, brave and strong and had a good solid judgment. Well, that's because the Lord just, no, David was already doing that. Okay, He didn't just learn to harp overnight because the Spirit of God had him. No, the Spirit of God was preparing him at that moment to be king. That's what that was about. But anyway, watch this. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse asking to send his son, David the shepherd, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending not only David, but a young goat and a donkey carrying a load of food. This is 1 Samuel chapter 16. And a load and wine. Oh, brother, don't bring that stuff. 
<laughs> yes, bring that stuff. Why? The instant they saw David, Saul admired him and loved him. David became his bodyguard. Bodyguard? You know, if somebody's good with a slingshot and good with a sword, even at a young age, it's like, man, I want you to stay here close to me, boy. It's like having a good German shepherd. Isn't that right, Myrna? I mean, it's like something bumps. They're already going, Woof. my dog, Woof. you know, he, he hears it. Saul wrote to Jesse. Of course, this is fairy tales. This never happened. You had a court recorder in our government and stuff like this. Even you'll read, even in the Bible, you'll see that David had a historian that wrote stuff down. It wasn't like, you know, we better keep track. We're losing something. They always kept track. That's the reason they had their genealogies. You pull out your wallet. Not only did you have your social security number, I had my genealogy all the way back to like my dad said, but these guys' granddad. He said, he went back and he said, we're kin to Julius Caesar, whatever. But I mean, you had those records. Okay. Please let David join my staff. I'm very fond of him. Boy, I tell you, he hated him later. And the reason he hated him is because, you know, he knew that David was going to wind up being king. Wonderful stories from here on out. I mean, just fantastic stories. So anyway, with uh, and whenever the overwhelming spirit from God troubled David, David would that's trouble Saul. David would play the harp. Saul would feel better, and the evil spirit would go away. Praise the Lord! In there, that's that's nice help. Now, going into the seventeenth chapter, <clears throat> the Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Succoth and Judah and Ezra. Anyway, these places. Okay. Saul countered with a buildup of forces. You know, they were on opposite sides of these hills. So the Israelis and the Philistines, they faced off with one another in the valley between them. Now Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of Philistine ranked, uh, ranks, excuse me, out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was a giant of a man. Now remember, giants was common. We, we, we studied uh, a few weeks ago, they, they had, uh, they actually put, um, it was a Moabite king or somebody, whatever it was, <clears throat> His bed was like 14 foot long, and they had it in a museum. They kept it after they had wiped out that country. It was just fantastic. Anyway, he was a giant, nine feet tall, wore a bronze helmet, 200-pound coat mail. Ooh, man. Carried a bronze javelin several inches thick, tipped with a 25-pound spearhead. I mean, I get arrowheads and stuff like that, and I mean, you got, you know, they're going to fall. They're rocky. 200 pounds or whatever. No, excuse me. What, what is it? 25 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him with a huge spear. I used to think the armor bearer was a little guy. Well, he probably looked little because he's nine foot, but he couldn't be. He sure was a strapping fellow. He stood and shouted to the Israelis. He says, do you need a whole army to settle this? And you know the story. I'll represent the Philistines. You pick out somebody who will settle this in a single combat. But remember what happened when David killed him. The Philistines didn't say, we give up. <laughs> no, they were lying. They tore out running. Anyway. If I kill him, you got to be our slaves. You know, if you kill me, we'll be your slaves. He says, I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man that'll do this. All right, when Saul and the Israelis heard this, they were dismayed and frightened. Look at that. Here's that guy that doesn't exist, David. No, he did exist. The son, look at this, the son of aging Jesse, a member of the tribe of Judah, lived in Bethlehem. You know, we're starting to get this. It's repetitive. Okay, he had seven brothers. Anyway, the oldest, Eliab, Abinam, whatever these guys, and they already volunteered for Saul's army to flight to Philistine. David was, he's still what? The youngest. I mean, he was not, he was on a part-time basis. We got that from the chapter before that. 
He went back and forth to help his father, back and forth from Saul's playing the harp and bodyguard, back to being a shepherd. One day, Jesse said, take this bushel of roasted grain, ten loaves of bread to your brothers. Now think about a dad here. Look what he says. Give the cheese to their captain. Makes sense. See how the boys are getting along and bring us back a letter from them. I want to know what they're doing. You know, I want to hear from them. Mama's worried about them. Whatever. Saul and the Israeli army were camped at the valley. So David left the sheep with another shepherd, took off early the next morning with gifts. He arrived at the outskirts of the camp just as the Israeli army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israeli <clears throat> uh, Philistine forces stood facing each other. Oh, uh, yeah, army against army. David left the luggage and the baggage, uh, the baggage officer and hurried off to the ranks to find his brother. As he was talking with him, he saw that he saw Goliath, the giant, step out. Now remember, let's just think we're David, okay? As soon as they saw him, the Israeli army began to run away in fright. Now we know already, because we know a little bit about David, David was not, he was not, he wasn't gonna pull that off. Have you seen the giant? The soldiers were asking. David's listening. He has insulted the entire army of Israel. Have you heard about the, look at this, have you heard about the huge reward the king has offered to anyone who kills him? And the king will give him one of his daughters for a wife. Man, now you're going to be part of the royal family. And his whole family will be exempted from paying taxes. David talked to some of the others standing there to verify the report. So two times David has heard what the reward will. David says, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending insults to Israel? Look at this. Who is this heathen Philistine anyway that he's defied the armies, look at that, of the living God? And he received the same place twice. Now David's brothers, they're a little ticked off here. Eliab, they heard David talking. They said, what are you doing around here? He demanded. What about those sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? Look at this statement. I know what a cocky brat you are. Well, now where did they get that from? Well, their brothers knew everything. They knew David was a hothead. And they also knew David wiped out these bears. I know I'd come home, I'd tell my brothers, man, I just killed a bear. And it was the Lord. I killed a lion the other day. Man, I did it. I had to go get that sheep. Made me mad. About like my cat and that mouse. You know? <laughs> I was going to take care of that cat. You know, I, I, And the Lord helped me. Praise the Lord. Anyway, uh, David said, what have I done? I was just asking a question. Isn't this something? This is just like family. He walked over to some others. He asked, this, look at the three, third time. He asked the same thing. What's going to happen? When it was finally realized what David meant, someone told King Saul... And King Saul sent for him. Now look what he says. David hadn't prayed. We haven't heard some prophet prophesy. No. Don't worry about a thing. David told him, I'll take care of this Philistine. How do you know? Oh, we know. We just read in first uh, in second, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 2, where Peter quoted David, said, the Lord's with me always. He'll always rescue me. And the whole book of Psalms is basically David's. <clears throat> Don't be ridiculous, Saul said. How can a kid fight a man like him? Just like how can you get over an earache or how can you get over this and that and whatever? Whatever your problems are, it's Jesus. You'll be all right. You just got to act like David here. You're only a boy. He's been in the army since he was a boy. You can't do this. 
Boy, I tell you, David just kept at it. David persisted. Now look what he says here. When I'm taking care of my father's sheep, and he said a lion or a bear comes out and grabs a lamb from the flock, I go after it. Notice the King James sort of alludes, it kind of sounds like um, it was just a one-time incident. The Living Bible pulls out, this was normal, which makes sense. Doggone coyotes. <laughs> I got my sheep out here always looking. Well, it's not just a one-time deal. He said, when a lion or a bear comes out, grabs a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, take the lamb from his mouth. If it turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I still don't see the prayer. Well, there wasn't a prayer because David already had the prayer going. And I'm sure while he was going, he was saying, Lord, you keep me safe. I'm getting my lamb back. I've done this, look, it's the both lions, plural, and bears, plural. And I'll do it to this heathen Philistine too. For he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who saved me from the claws and teeth of the lion and the bear will save me from this Philistine. Wow. Saul finally consented, all right. Go ahead. And may the Lord be with you. Okay. Uh, let's see. Skip a little bit. We'll get back down here. Here it is. Notice this, Saul gave David his own armor, bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two. This is just kind of funny, I think. He'd never worn such things. And he says, I can hardly move. I can't move in this stuff. He took it off. Then he picked up five smooth stones uh, from the stream and put them in his shepherd's bag, armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, and started out to Goliath. Now, I was telling Dustin and Melody yesterday at Christmas, because I just read this again the other day of course we're reading it now and I got to thinking about what his brothers were thinking and you know what you've got to remember that his brothers knew about the lions and the bears and I guarantee his brothers were saying David's gonna just cream this guy <laughs> he's gonna kill him and they could have been saying you know how many stones you think it's gonna take one of them probably said nah it's just gonna take one one of them says he'll probably get him on a third one but he's gonna kill him anyway and if that wasn't the case the angels were the angels are going this Goliath is fixing to be dead. <clears throat> anyway, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer, sneered in contempt at this, remember, little red-cheeked boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. You come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air. Notice what David's response was. David says, I'm not only going to kill you, but I'm going to kill your whole army. What? David shouted in reply, you come to me with a sword and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven, the very God whom you defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I'll kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give your dead bodies to the, uh, uh, to the birds and, and wild animals. And the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. You know, uh, And Israel will learn that God doesn't depend on weapons to fulfill his plans. He works without regard to human. Nothing matter. He'll help you no matter what. Notice this part about the whole world will know. Today, our American traditions keep us from that. We kind of say whatever will be, will be, and we don't want to put God on the spot. And We need God on the spot. That's how we've gotten ourselves in so much trouble. We need to be doing like David. David said, send prosperity now, Psalm 118. So I've got to have help now. Okay. Goliath approached. David ran out to meet him, reaching in his shepherd's bag, took out a stone, hurled it. And man, you ever notice this? It said he hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank. I used to think sank, you know, okay, it just went below the surface. If a rock goes in the water and it sinks, where does it go? The bottom. This thing, man, it, it went in there. Anyway. 
He fell on his face. David conquered the Philistine. Well, let's see. Did everybody become their slaves? No, they all ran away. Since he had no sword, he ran over, pulled Goliath's head, Goliath from his sheath, killed him, cut off his head. The Philistines saw their champion was dead. They turned and ran. Uh, what, and so they flew. Is, the Israelis gave a great shout. They rushed at the Philistines, chased them as far as Gath and Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road to the, anyway, Shamrai. Anyway, the Israeli army returned and plundered the deserted camps of Philistine. Now look at this. Later, David took Goliath's head to Jerusalem. What for? Well, I'll mount my deer. <laughs> I mean, man, this was a big deal. Big deal. Stored his armor in his tent. Saul was watching David go out and fight Goliath. Saul saw this. And he asked, and that's his, his, Abner's his cousin. The general was on, he said, Abner, what sort of family does this young fella come from? I don't know. Well, Saul says, well, find out. Anyway, after David killed Goliath, Abner brought Saul, I mean, brought him to Saul with him. Now, remember, he, he's still a young guy with a Philistine's head still in his hand. I mean, come on, clean up a little bit. No, this is bragging rights. I told you I'd get him. Saul, or, but they said, Saul wants to see you. Oh, grab a head. So an eight-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever it is, you better believe he's going to carry that thing. And he I told you. And, he, and I'm sure he didn't say, told you. I did this on my own. It was the Lord. That's the, that's the reason the Lord chose David to be the next king. Anyway, he says, tell me, he's got this head in his hand. Tell me about your father. Look what he says. His name's Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. <laughs> you know. And remember, I'm also, I work on your, uh, I, I'm on your staff, whatever. Anyway, what's so interesting here, we're not going to cover 18. We'll get some of this later. But anyway, 18, 19, and 20, and 21, Saul gets real jealous of David. Wants to kill him, but he never can. He never can. David keeps showing Saul how much he loves him. But anyway, uh, David met Jonathan. Look at this. The king's son, and there was an immediate bond of love between them. They swore to be blood brothers, and they sealed the pact by giving him his robe and his sword and belt. Now, Jonathan was older, but boy, I tell you what, he just took that little guy, David, under his wing, and they became great friends, great friends. We have all the details. And that's why two blind men say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Because boy, all of David's lifetime, he was helped by the Lord. And we have proof of it. We have all the prayers that he wrote in the book of Psalms that all belong to us. Anyway, they'll work for us too. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's true. These things are real. These things actually happened. <clears throat> and we just thank you, Lord, we can count on you to help us just like you helped David. If we're sick, you'll make us well. If we're troubled financially or whatever, you'll fix that too. And if it's something else, maybe just problems with people like David was having to deal with Saul trying to kill him, it doesn't matter. You'll protect us. You'll keep us well. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to go tell others what you've done for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, all right. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Amen.